Section 6 of The Underground Railroad, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Underground Railroad, Part 4, by William Still. Section 6. Arrival from Delaware. 1858. George Laws and Comrade, tied and hoisted with block and tackle, to be cowhided. George represented the ordinary young slave men of Delaware. He was of unmixed blood, medium size, and of humble appearance. He was destitute of the knowledge of spelling, to say nothing of reading. Slavery had stamped him unmistakably for life. To be scantily fed and clothed, and compelled to work without hire. George did not admire, but had to submit without murmuring. Indeed, he knew that his so-called master, whose name was Denny, would not be likely to hear complaints from a slave. He therefore dragged his chain and yielded to his daily task. One day, while hauling dirt with a fractious horse, the animal manifested an unwillingness to perform his duty satisfactorily. At this procedure the master charged George with provoking the beast to do wickedly, and in a rage he collared George and bade him accompany him upstairs of the soap-house. Not daring to resist, George went along with him. Ropes being tied around both his wrists, the block and tackle were fastened thereto, and George soon found himself hoisted on tiptoe, with his feet almost clear of the floor. The kind-hearted master then tore all the poor fellow's old shirt off his back, and addressed him thus, You son of a B-blank-H, I will give you pouting around me. Stay there till I go up town for my cowhide. George begged piteously, but in vain. The fracas caused some excitement, and it so happened that a show was to be exhibited that day in the town, which, as is usual in the country, brought a great many people from a distance. So, to his surprise, when the master returned with his cowhide, he found that a large number of curiosity-seekers had been attracted to the soap-house to see Mr. Denny perform with his cowhide on George's back, as he was stretched up by his hands. Many had evidently made up their minds that it would be more amusing to see the cowhiding than the circus. The spectators numbered about three hundred. This was a larger number than Mr. Denny had been accustomed to perform before. Consequently, he was seized with embarrassment. Looking confused, he left the soap-house, and went to his office, to await the dispersion of the crowd. The throng finally retired, and left George hanging in mortal agony. Human nature here made a death struggle. The cords which bound his wrists were unloosed, and George was then prepared to strike for freedom at the mouth of the cannon or point of the bayonet. How Denny regarded the matter, when he found that George had not only cheated him out of the anticipated delight of cowhiding him, but had also cheated him out of himself, is left for the imagination to picture. George fled from Kent. He was accompanied by a comrade whose name inadvertently was not recorded. He, however, was described as a dark, round, and full-faced, stout-built man, with bow legs, and bore the appearance of having been used hard and kept down and in ignorance, etc. Hard usage constrained him to flee from his sore oppression. 
arrival from delaware 1858 john weems alias jack herring although jack was but twenty-three years of age he had tasted the bitter cup of slavery pretty thoroughly under kendall b herring who was a member of the methodist church and in jack's opinion a mere pretender and a man of a very bad disposition jack thought that he had worked full long enough for this herring for nothing when a boy twelve years of age his mother was sold south from that day until the hour that he fled he had not heard a word from her and making up his mind to leave slavery the outrage inflicted upon his mother only tended to increase his resolution in speaking of his mistress he said that she was a right fine woman notwithstanding all his sufferings in the kendall family he seemed willing to do justice to his master and mistress individually he left one sister free and one brother in the hands of herring jack was described as a man of dark color stout and well made arrival from maryland eighteen fifty eight ruth harper george robinson priscilla gardner and joshua john anderson ruthie's course in seeking her freedom left john mcpherson a woman less to work for him and to whip sell or degrade at his pleasure it is due to candor however to say that she admitted she had not been used very roughly by mr mcpherson ruth was rather a nice-looking young woman tall and polite in her manners she came from frederick maryland george robinson stated that he came from a place about one and a half miles from the chesapeake bay one mile from old town and five miles from elkton and was owned by samuel smith a farmer who was pretty cross and an ill man george's excuse for withdrawing his valuable services from mr smith at the time that he did was attributable to the fact that he entertained fears that they were about to sell him having cautiousness largely developed he determined to reach canada and keep out of danger george was only twenty-one passable looking in appearance and of a brown color and when speaking stammered considerably priscilla gardner fled from the widow hilliard her master departed to his long home not a great while before she left priscilla was a young woman of about thirty years of age ordinary size and of a gingerbread color modest in demeanor she first commenced her bondage in richmond under the late benjamin hilliard of whom she said that he was a very bad man who could never be pleased by a servant and was constantly addicted to fighting not only with others but also with herself so cruelly had priscilla been treated that when he died she did not hesitate to say that she was glad soon after this event sick of slavery and unwilling to serve the widow any longer she determined to escape and succeeded joshua john anderson fled from a farmer who was said to be a poor man by the name of skelton price residing in baltimore county near a little village called alexandria on the harford county turnpike road price not able to own a farm and slaves too rented one and was trying to get up in the world price had a wife and family but in the way of treatment joshua did not say anything very hard against him as his excuse for leaving them he said coolly that he had made up his mind that he would get along better in freedom than he could in slavery and that no man had a right to his labor without paying him for it he left his mother and also three brothers and two sisters owned by price joshua was about twenty-two years of age of a coarse make and a dark hue 
he had evidently held but little intercourse with any class save such as he found in the cornfield and barnyard arrival from north carolina and delaware dick beasley murray young and charles andrew bolden physically dick was hardly up to the ordinary stature of slaves but mentally he had the advantage of the masses he was too sharp to be kept in slavery his hue was perfect no sign of white about him if that were any advantage from dick's story it appeared that he had seen hard times in north carolina under a man he designated by the name of richard smallwood he was a farmer living near weldon one of the faults that he found with smallwood was that he was a tough drinking man he also charged him with withholding two hundred and sixty slaves in bonds the most of whom he came in possession of through his wife she dick thought was pretty fair he said that no slave had any reason to look for any other than hard times under his master according to what he had seen and known since he had been in the institution and he fancied that his chances for observation had been equally as good as the great majority of slaves young as he was dick had been sold three times already and didn't know how much oftener he might have to submit to the same fate if he remained so in order to avoid further trouble he applied his entire skill to the grand idea of making his way to canada manfully did he wrestle with difficulty after difficulty until he finally happily triumphed and reached philadelphia in a good condition that is he was not sick but he was without money home education or friends except as he found them among strangers he was hopeful nevertheless mary young was also of the unmixed blood class and only twenty-one years of age the spirit of liberty in him was pretty largely developed he entertained naught against dr lober of newcastle but rather against the doctor's wife he said that he could get along pretty well with the doctor but he could not get along with mrs lober but the very idea of slavery was enough for him he did not mean to work for anybody for nothing andrew bolden was still younger than charles murray being only eighteen years of age but he was very well grown and on the auction block he would doubtless have brought a large price he fled from newark his story contained nothing of marked importance end of section six recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida